you are listening to The Dudes, bringing you wall-to-wall coverage of all Mississippi State athletics. Featuring Reflector Sports Editor Tanner Marlar and WMSV Sports Director Cody Blazak. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Dudes here on this fine, beautiful, sunshiny Tuesday. I lied. It's raining. It's pretty gloomy. (laughs) But we're here, nonetheless, bringing you wall-to-wall coverage of all Mississippi State athletics. Tanner Marler alongside today, not Cody Blazak. Cody playing hooky again. Cody playing hooky again. David Smith alongside with me today, reflector, sports writer, WMSV sports staff member david good to have you back on the show man happy to be here first time since december i believe i believe so yeah yeah first time since december what do you know we're still playing basketball we're still we're still doing the basketball the basketball do be doing not doing well not doing doing well but doing but doing and speaking of that today we'll dive into some basketball coverage here uh before hopping on to baseball who plays texas tech tonight Six o'clock first pitch, Parker Stinnett drawing the start of that game, but we'll get to that later for now. It is March. March is upon us, and it feels fantastic. Just it does. Outside of Mississippi State and the SEC, just everything. Watching mid-major basketball, Chattanooga last night. I mean, there's some whole mid-majors to watch here. And if you oh. if you missed the hot takes episode a little while ago. Uh, I believe it was last Monday. I dove into some mid-major education. So, uh-oh, go back and check that one out if you got, hey, got time. David Smith, the perennial mid-major basketball expert, some call him. That's that's what I'm here for. That's what he's here for. I that's love what the he's here for. Hey, but it is that time of year, man. Anybody can beat anybody. Um, we've got conference tournaments coming up. Some some surprising surprising conferences. Uh, some surprising conference champions, like we said, Furman and. Uh, UT Chattanooga last night. Everybody kind of handpicked Furman to win that game. They've had a really solid season. UT Chattanooga said not today. We saw Furman play here, and they they're a very talented squad. Yeah. In fact, I mean, if if things go the direction they're headed in, uh, that we think they're headed in, we may be looking at uh, swiping some uh, swiping some talent, if you will. Maybe not some talent, but some brains from Furman. So either way. Either way, that's that's to be determined. To be determined. We've got to get through the NIT first yeah, or the we'll, SEC we'll see tournament first. Hey, hey, look, the NIT will always be waiting on us. Maybe, will. We, can, maybe we can get to the NCAA tournament. Mm. Hey, there's a 1.3% chance. Hey, look, four games in four days. Four wins in four days. There's a 1.3% chance we do it. That's better than zero. It's better than zero. Ole Miss, school up north, only has a point zero seven. It's 0.07, so 007. Shout out to, I think it was Michael Katz making some great great James Bond references on that. <laughs> but if, you, if you guys need, go find that tweet. Seriously, that's awesome. <laughs> but either way, Mississippi State looking to tip off in the SEC tournament. David has got all of your info on that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, State starts out Thursday. 5 p.m. I almost forgot how days of the week work. But the tournament itself starts tomorrow night with some thrilling games, including the school up north. But then your Mississippi State Bulldogs will get started at 5 p.m. Central time tip-off on SEC Network if you can't be in Tampa for the game. Um, 
playing against number seven seed South Carolina, which they've met twice this year, each team winning on their home floor. When South Carolina came here, State handled them, manhandled them. It wasn't even close. And a similar result happened on South Carolina's floor. Not quite as bad of a blowout, but South Carolina pretty much had control of that game from start to finish. So I'm very, very excited to see how they match up on a neutral floor here because this game will be a ton of fun. It will be. It will be. I think it's going to be pretty nerve-wracking, too, because, like you said, you know, a season split on the year and two games that could not have went more differently. You know, South Carolina comes here, and like you said, Mississippi State pretty much tosses them around, manhandles them. And then Mississippi State goes to Columbia, to South Carolina, and gets absolutely shell-shocked from three from all over the floor. So... Do you think a lot of do you think a lot of that was just home court advantage? Or do you think a lot of that was well maybe South Carolina had a little something for them? Yeah, South Carolina feel, feels like they've improved. The season's gone on. They've really hit a stride here lately, and they've been playing some fantastic basketball. But they just they were at their bottom point of the year when they came to Starkville, and they got rocked. And then it felt like. Mississippi State was kind of in the middle of a bad stretch when they went over to Columbia, and they were just never able to really crawl back into games. It feels like State this year has had a trend of getting down big early and then crawling back into games late and making it a fun game to watch. They just were never able to crawl back in against South Carolina. So, But a home court advantage plays a huge role in college basketball, and I think we've seen that a lot with fans this year. That definitely plays a role in why you're seeing a lot of home teams win games, similar to the reasons why Auburn and Kentucky have both lost on the road to Arkansas and Tennessee. You know, just similar to things like that. So home court advantage plays a role, but I think that different they were at different spots just with the way they're playing basketball when they played each other. And now they both seem to be playing some pretty good basketball at the moment. Uh, both of them, huh? I think State's playing some good basketball right now. It's just inability to close out games. Inability that, to That's been the thing like all year though, and I've said it since I I think I've said it since gosh. I think I've said it since Minnesota is right now and for it seems like the whole season they have an inability to play for forty minutes. And David, you and I both know <laughs> that if you're gonna win in college basketball, you have to go out and play for forty minutes. Especially in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, the SEC, in my opinion, is the best conference in basketball right now. From top to bottom, I agree. And then once it only gets tougher when you get to the NCAA tournament. It's just a, I'd love to see them do it. I'd love to see them play a full 40 minutes. If they do, there, there's no ceiling. No. There's truly not a ceiling, especially in the SEC tournament. There's no ceiling. So they've proven they could beat South Carolina. They've proven they can hang with all four of the top seeds, Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas. They've beaten Arkansas earlier this year, took Auburn and Kentucky to overtime, played Tennessee close, was leading late against Tennessee. Yeah, and then not to mention you have the the streakiest team in the SEC, Alabama. You split the series there. You split the home and home. Mm -hmm. So, and I – I want to say, I want to clarify, I think this team is possibly one of the most talented in the SEC. I've always thought that. They have an all-SEC point guard. They have a perennial starter with Garrison Brooks. They have an explosive two guard that can sometimes has the ability to take over games, even though he hasn't done it since halfway through the season in Shaq Moore. They have a veteran stud rebounder at power forward, supposed to be at least 
on paper. And they have a three, a transfer, or supposedly a transfer from Memphis that was going to be, you know, a plug-and-play guy, no matter where you put him, who was supposed to be able to average 15 a game. None of that has happened, except for the all-SEC point guard. Which, that was named today. That was named today, yes. Congratulations, Iverson Molinar, named to the all-SEC team. But it just seems like, for whatever reason, this season the pieces have not fallen together. All no. new teams are like a puzzle. And it's the coach's job to be able to plug that puzzle in and, and, and build that puzzle and put it together so the team can win. I mean, you see it with Chris, you saw it last year with Chris Lamonis. That team was shuffled around, that baseball team was shuffled around right up until the end of SEC play. I mean, even right before the SEC tournament, they had to pull a starter. But. It always seems like guys, a guy like Lamonis or maybe even a guy like Mike Leach is able to pull those puzzle pieces and plug them in when, where they benefit the team most. And so far, we just haven't seen that. We really haven't at all. And these guys have all been incredibly talented. And, you know, the reason they've, they've done as well as they have, they, credit needs to go where it's due. And that's because you've had these guys that haven't been able to plug in and play as well as they hoped. But you've got guys like maybe Cam Matthews and Anderson Garcia that have stepped up and played a lot better. Even Javion Davis have played a lot better than people thought they would. Javion Davis has been the most improved player on this team. Absolutely. Anderson Garcia is getting more minutes, and his, his impact has been sensational. Incredible. And sensational. If he could create his own shot, he could be something he special. Could, he could be league-bound. He could be. But as of right now, it's not in his repertoire. Maybe it will be one day, but still, phenomenal energy guy, phenomenal player nonetheless, and I think no matter what happens after the end of this season, they're staying. But, David, if let's say they beat South Carolina. Let's move on a little bit here from the doom and gloom. And maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe the weather has something to do with it. Maybe it, must, we, it must be. It must be. You know, Mississippi State couldn't possibly be about to get bounced within the first two rounds. No, no. No, no shot. No, no shot. shot. But if they make it to that second round, what, what do you think we're looking at? It's going to be a dogfight. Um, number two, Tennessee, number two, C Tennessee waiting in the balance to face off with the winner of this game. We're going to assume it's state here. Yeah. And, you know, Tennessee came into Starkville state was leading with five minutes to go by two. And then Tennessee closed the game on an 11, two run and one by nine. It was just, they just, I mean, it was just a collapse at the end of a game that would just. That was the epitome of being unable to close out games. Um, that one in Auburn were just the two most frustrating ones. The, you the know? two microcosms of, of the season, in all honesty, is what it was. But the Tennessee matchup to me is, is in all honesty, where I think this team gets bounced. You know, could they lose to South Carolina? Yes, very much so, yes. Like you said, Carolina, South Carolina is playing some very solid basketball right now. But if they beat them, I think Tennessee punches the ticket. And obviously, at this point, with the with the way the bracketology is shaking out, there's no type there's no type of at large bid for you coming. There's not. I don't even think if you make the finals at this point, there's an at large bid coming. I, I don't think so either. They would have to. They would They'd simply have, to, have win. to win. Yeah, they have to win. Maybe if if they could have closed the season out with a win over A and M, then wins Possibly. over South Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky back to back to back would potentially put you there, but. Can Mississippi State hang with Tennessee? Absolutely. Do we think they will? I think they will. 
I don't, I don't know if they'll win. You think they'll hang with? I do. I think it's going to be close. I mean, this this team, there's just too much talent there to see it all go. But I think at this point, they all, uh, from the body language and everything that I'm seeing, I think they all know it's gone. I think they all know that the task ahead of them is darn near impossible. They're just preserving energy for the... Uh, the NIT? The, for, no, no, for the SEC tournament. For the SEC That's why they tournament. haven't been playing well recently. I mean, the A&M game was simply irrelevant. Oh, oh. Um, at that I mean, at that point, you there was a slight glimmer of hope that maybe they could get an at-large bid, but at that point, you knew you were going to have to win the SEC tournament. Ben Hallen was quoted saying that they would have to win the SEC tournament. So they just, you know, just take the night off, you know? <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, look, look, the NIT Final Four is in New York, and the NCAA Final Four is in New Orleans. I mean, we're in Starkville here. I mean, I'd rather go to New York than New Orleans, right? That makes sense. <laughs> so you're saying this might have been the long con all along. They just want a, a free vacation in, to New York. Free trip to NYC, baby. I mean, I, I would take it. I mean, yeah, you know, we may be on to something here. I genuinely so. might the be. The conspiracy theories inside the Mystery Statements basketball program are getting exposed here. They are. They are. We are shedding light where no light has gone before is what we're doing. I also think they lose to Tennessee, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do think they drop that one to Tennessee. And then, then, David, we're heading to what some would call the granddaddy of them all, the NIT. But let's just say in a theoretical world. In a theoretical world. If State is able to beat Tennessee. All right. You've essentially got the winner of Alabama and Kentucky waiting in the balance. Unless Vanderbilt or Georgia is able to pull off something crazy. Something insane. Georgia without a head coach, mind you. Basically. Vanderbilt with the first team All-SEC guard. That's true. Something that Alabama does not have. Or any mm. first team All-SEC players. They've got, they've got guys that can hang with them, though. Oh, yeah. Jaden Shackelford, guys like that. They can't. I just thought it was funny this morning. Those guys are going to be NBA talent, and none of them made the first team. No, no, that's that's odd. I found that odd, too. I'm glad you said that because I did. I was like, hmm, hmm. And now there's literally 17 people on the SEC first team. And there they is. they still couldn't make it. Which, yeah, I mean, that the Big Ten, I think, released this morning, it was five. The Pac-12 the Pac was ten. Ten. I Okay, I can see that. But seventeen. I mean, it was it was realistically like eight, but it might have been nine. Yeah, I mean, but still, it's more than. I just five. think I just I think feel like a five, team a team should be five. Yeah, I just think that if you're gonna pick an all SEC selection, if you're gonna make it all SEC, make it pretty prestigious. You know, make it five. Yeah, now you've got guys almost like the leader from half the teams is on there. Yeah, some teams have two. Um, Arkansas and Auburn both got two, which deservedly so. But that would let's just theoretically say they match up with Kentucky or Alabama. I'll I'll say Kentucky because I think Kentucky handles Bama in the quarters. This state team went on the road in January to Rupp Arena in a very hostile environment, one of the most hostile in all of college basketball, and took them to overtime. Look, once overtime rolled around, you knew it was going to happen. Similar to what happened with Auburn. But nonetheless, that's an incredible achievement. I mean, it is. But they also did it, you know, with an injured Ty Ty Washington and no severe, no, I mean, not the true severe Wheeler. They, I mean, you caught Kentucky when they were down and you couldn't capitalize. And now they're up. 
They're, they're up quite a lot, and they're playing possibly their best basketball of the season, and Calipari is in March. But also against Kentucky, Tolu Smith wasn't playing. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. There I'm was just, no totally. Tr- the glass is half full here. That's, that's my approach to this here. That's, is what, it? that's what I'm going with. Is it? I've become a glass half empty man. I'm not going to lie. Most, uh, this most journalists season. are. It's okay. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> it's, part, it's part of the gig. It part really of the gig. Is, yeah. But either way, David, I think we've both come to consensus. We do both believe that they get past South Carolina and then they get bounced to Tennessee. But what if they get past Kentucky? Okay. Then they're playing Auburn. Yeah. A game we saw last week. Correct. Could they do it? There's a 1.3% chance. I'll have an article coming out tomorrow in the Reflector detailing this path, diving into big details on this. I believe it is a feature. Well, it's headline story in the Reflector that's, tomorrow. That's, that's the word I was looking for. You guys can pick it up all across campus at various newsstands, any bus stop, uh, several buildings, student, Baptist student, or Baptist, ugh, not the Baptist student, you didn't hear that. Although they may have a stand, I'm not they, sure. They might. I think they've got one over there somewhere. Can't say I've ever been in it. So, Neither can um, I. Culvert student union. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there's definitely a stand in there. But either way, uh, to kind of shift gears here as we shift towards the stickball season. It is March, David. I know. It's my favorite time of year, too. But we're also here in baseball season. We're here. College, but we're, we're, we're pretty deep into college. I say pretty deep. We're deeper into college baseball now. But, I mean, this Mississippi State team, sitting at, I believe, 6-6 six and six on the year right now, after going on the road to Tulane and outscoring them by an insane margin and still managing to drop the series... I know you pro- I know you said you haven't kept up with Mississippi State baseball or college baseball much yet with March still going on, but early on, what is your thoughts on this baseball team? I just don't think it's time to press the <clears throat> I don't think it's time to press the panic button yet. Um, plain and simple. The play has not been what as many people had hoped it would be this year, obviously being a defending national champion. But You've, you've got to think that this team is going to be fine. They're going to be okay. They'll get it all. F- the talent is all there. It's just a matter of getting it all clicking. I think they'll be just fine. I mean, obviously the impression, and they could, you, you've, you want them to do better. They maybe shouldn't have. There's a few games I shouldn't have lost. I mean, one of them really that sticks out to me is that two-lane loss in 10 innings. I mean, they were up big decently big at least and blow a late lead there's people critiquing Lamona's decision late in the ninth out of pull stone simmons yeah yeah but i mean is it time to press the panic button no but is it time to press the concern button maybe and it's only about one particular area because i think the hitting has finally came along scoring was not a problem this weekend and I don't think scoring will be a problem going forward. The concern button may need to be square on the bullpen. Because depending on the results of whatever Landon Sims, whatever kind of medical screening Landon Sims have, if he's out, that's a panic button. I'm sorry, but that is. 
But if he's not, we're, we're going to operate right now as if he's not because there's not been an official release on it yet. The, only, the concern that I would have would be with this bullpen. You know, you came into the year and you thought, it's, it's such a loaded bullpen, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, there's talented arms, which there are. There are still very talented arms in that bullpen. But for some reason, the ERA is through the roof. So it's going to take some guys like a Jackson Fristo, um, like a Pico Con or somebody to find some consistency in those middle innings because that's where they lost Sunday is in those middle innings, those mid to late innings where, you know, maybe you don't want to throw Stone Simmons out there for four innings. Maybe he's your two-inning guy. And it's still early in the season. It's not conference play. But somebody's got to step up. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it's there's, I think that's why I haven't pressed the panning button yet. Is because the amount of talent on this roster is incredible. There's there's an unbelievable amount. So it's it's just, I'm not certain who's going to step up. All those guys you named are definitely ones that could. They're all part of this incredibly talented group. But I'm just I'm not concerned. We're only 12 games into the season. SEC play is still, what, a couple of weeks away, a few yeah. weeks away? I mean, there's they've got some time to figure it out. I think this Texas Tech little two-game midweek series will be a great measuring stick for where they are because Tech's a, a fantastic team in their own right, number 17 currently. I'm excited to see how this goes. I am as well. I am as well. And and here's the question I have for you. Obviously, Parker Stinnett, like we said earlier, drawing the start on the mound uh, for game one of this little two-game series here against Tech, and then, David, TBD <laughs> has long made the long-awaited return of TBD. I'm sure we'll get some more information on that tomorrow before first pitch, but as of right now, and I checked my email about an hour ago, and I didn't see anything. Still nothing. I thought TBD was, was, was starting. I thought that was the... I mean, it is. He's back. We've been waiting on this. This is the break we need. <laughs> this might be it. <laughs> I don't know where he's been. Maybe he's been in the district. You know, maybe he's, he's taken some time away from baseball, but he's back. And, you know, uh, God forbid if, if something happens. I could see TBD sliding into a starting role. I definitely could as well. I could. Um, he's undefeated. He's just a competitor, really. The ERA is perfect. It is. It is. No hits allowed in the season. None. Not a single one. Granted, no, no losses. No losses. None. No, no blown saves. Not, nothing. Nothing. Not a thing. Scott Free. I mean, he's perfect. All you want in a player, especially with the Sims injury news waiting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let let's hope. Like I said, gonna hope and pray. And I don't want to jump to any conclusions. He did say that um, that something popped Sun uh, Friday in his in his wrist or his arm, which. Not a good sign if you follow baseball. Not a good thing to hear. But either way, hoping for the best. I'm sure he'll get some screening done when we when he gets back to Starkville. But David, as you know, here on this show, we have a tradition, a birthright, if you will, to give our X factors for any game the Mississippi State Bulldogs play, and they are playing a game tonight. First pitch, 6 o'clock. Who's your X factor for this game against Texas Tech? 
or this this two game series against Texas Tech because we won't be back with you guys until Thursday. I think pretty much the you've touched on the middle inning stuff already, but. I'm going to keep it plain and simple, and it might sound boring, but I think it's as important as it gets, and this is starting pitching. Starting with Parker Stinnett tonight. I mean, he's he's 1-0 on the year, but he, has, he may not have – he hasn't played his best baseball yet. So, if he's able to get it clicking a little bit more, maybe even just four or five innings of shutout ball would be huge. It would go a long way, and it would benefit the middle relievers a lot because I'm confident in the bats. They're They're – I think yeah. they'll get it done. I mean, obviously, Chase Hampton, the the right-hander for Tech, is is a, is a solid pitcher as well. But I'm I'm confident that we can put some runs on the board in the early innings. As long as we just don't give up runs here, we're gonna we're gonna be all right. I think the middle innings guys, you know, they can they can pull it together. They still may give up a run or two before we get to late in the game. But if our starter can keep runs off the board and Tonight, that's Parker Stinnett, and tomorrow, currently TBD. Um, I, I think that we'll, we'll be just fine in Biloxi. I have to agree. I have to agree, and I'm going to have to swap my X Factor from you. Obviously, you took mine. Dang it. I told you I was going to take I was gonna take that one beforehand. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm still upset about it, though. It's fine. It's fine. We'll live it down. And this, this is going to be interesting because I think they dropped tonight. I think they do. I think they dropped game one. I just haven't seen a lot out of Parker Stinnett that has been good this year. He's been wild. He's been all over the place. I just haven't seen a lot I like from him. So my X factor is going to be TBD. And what I mean by that is whoever starts tomorrow night, because I think if you want to keep any kind of momentum coming into this weekend series against Princeton, I think you have to split these two games. If you don't win both of them, I think you have to split them. You cannot afford to lose both of these games back-to-back after a disappointing uh, series against Tulane. It's going to be TBD. It's going to be whoever draws the start tomorrow night, whether that's Jack Walker, whether that's an Andrew Walling, whether that's Jackson Fristo. It's going to be whoever steps into that role, and they're, they're going to have to pound the zone. They're going to have to find ways to get strikes and get guys out. They don't, even, they don't have to throw 10Ks. They've just got to find ways to get guys out. And keep the just keep te- that tech offense at bay because they do have an impressive offense. So it's going to be whoever my X factor for that's going to be whoever starts tomorrow night. About five minutes left in the show here, and it's time for something that I've been waiting on, something I've been a little bit excited for. We're not we are now into the carousel season. We. Uh, Mississippi State women's basketball obviously losing in the first round of the SEC tournament to Kentucky, the eventual winners of the SEC tournament. Congratulations to them. But interim head coach Doug Novak took this team, I think, as far as it was going to go this year. I think he had some impressive moments. And now comes the decision that John Cohen and crew have to make. Do you pay Doug Novak or do you look elsewhere? I think simply put, you paid Doug Novak. Um, the ladies love playing for him. Everything I've heard has been positive surrounding him. They've really enjoyed just being on this team. He feels like he he builds in kind of a a fun environment for the players to be in, and that's not sounds simple, but it's something that's not everywhere. You know, um, something that hasn't necessarily happened with previous head coaches here. So, 
I think if, if everyone loves playing for him, he's got a great basketball mind. He's proven that he can, you know, defy expectations, which is what he did this year. I mean, they were not expected to be great. I mean, you lost, you lost the SEC's leading scorer, and, was st- and you were still a, a competitive roster. You were still a competitive team with seven girls. I mean, come on. Uh, it, it's nothing short of a miracle, in my opinion, what he was able to do with this team this year. Maya Taylor's been very vocal about her support of, of him. And Maya said she hasn't quite made a decision on her future yet within the Mississippi State basketball program, uh, whether she'll come back and finish out another year, whether she'll go to the league, go overseas, graduate, wherever. If you keep Novak, you keep her. I think, do you keep your, your all SEC caliber point guard? <laughs> Possibly the best point guard in the SEC. The, the, the question mark with Novak is, can he recruit? But I don't think that's a fair point when it comes to women's college basketball because you can hire people that can recruit. You can hire people around you that can recruit, even if you can't. And we're not saying he can't. We yeah, just don't know if he can or not. He hasn't seen it. And I think he deserves an opportunity to prove it. He deserves to be put. I mean, even if it's not necessarily like a, you'll see some head coaches get four or five year contracts. Even if it's a two year contract, would be fantastic for him. Give him an opportunity to truly prove what he's like as a head coach. Because I think defying the expectations that he has this year and being loved by players, including Maya, I mean, they, that's that's huge. It is earning your players respect as an interim head coach and getting them to win games and be in games they weren't necessarily supposed to be, even competitive in in my mind he's definitely earned a second year if not a third I agree I agree I think I think Doug Novak should be the higher here but if they don't go that route you have to go someone established I think because you're at a turning point in the program right now is what I believe you're at that point where either you can start heading back towards that uber competitive program that was a national a uh, an NCAA appearance every year type program under Vic Schaefer or you're headed you could be god forbid and you know she stepped down this year you could if you have another Nikki McCray Penson season where does your program go from that you know so it's a, it's a tough decision and if they don't go with Novak there's a couple names I think they could go with first one being Matt Mitchell Matt Mitchell, former uh, Kentucky women's head coach, and again, was a head coach while they were a perennial NCAA tournament team, retired a couple years ago due to um, an injury he sustained during a hiking accident, took a nasty bump on the head. But the most intriguing thing about Mitchell, though, is that he's a Mississippi guy from Louisville, uh, I believe still has plenty of ties here to Mississippi State University and Louisville and General Louisville, for those of you who don't know, 30 minutes down the road. Guy could literally live at home where he grew up and coach this team. It sounds like if the shoe fits. And, and I think and I, I think as soon as, you know, McCray Penson stepped down, that might have been the first call that was made, and rightfully so. But another one that has kind of been thrown around recently. It's a long shot, but it's a guy that I think would – bring some controversy but would most definitely bring some wins Vic Schaefer 
Vic Schaefer has voiced his concerns over at Texas that, you know, the fans aren't buying into the program. Some of the players aren't buying into the program. Rakia Jackson uh, just took a visit to Texas where, where uh, I mean, obviously Vic Schaefer was who recruited her to Mississippi State. But, David, do you think that, you know, there's been enough time to heal those wounds? I don't, I don't think maybe there, there probably hasn't been enough time for the wounds to initially heal, excuse me. But if he comes back in and starts doing Vic Schaefer stuff, those wounds will heal quick. Yeah, winning heals wounds quicker than <laughs> yeah. anything. It, it, uh, <laughs> all will be forgiven very quickly. Very He's able quickly. to win games. Very and, quickly. You know, he greatly enjoyed it here. Um, he did. He did. You know, he, he, he and the rest of the crew have been very vocal about them and how much they've enjoyed, how much they did enjoy their time here in Starkville. Um, personally, I don't think that's a hire that gets made. I think it may be a phone call, but I don't think it's a hire that gets made. I think he sticks it out in Texas for another couple of years at the very least. That is home, after all. Wouldn't it be something, though? Wouldn't it be a storyline? Wouldn't it be a narrative? That would be something. That would be crazy, to say the least. Um, you would put people back into seats because the attendance numbers this year just weren't weren't great. weren't weren't as they weren't what we were used to in the past. No. But either way, um, we're, we're about out of time here. So before that happens, obviously, pay Doug Novak. I think so. Pay Doug Novak. Just do it. The girls love him. We love him. The fan base loves him, and he gets the most out of them. But on that wait, note. Wait, real oh, quick, oh, before we close, quick, I, I want to throw something to you that Cody and I hit on yesterday. We got two minutes. Better do it quick. Kentucky just, just won the women's basketball tournament. They did. Do you think they win the men's basketball tournament? SEC as well? Something a little, little off Mississippi State-based here. Still SEC-based. Uh, my pick is Auburn. Auburn? My pick is Auburn. Okay. Jabari Smith's going to do Jabari Smith things. You're not wrong. Number one draft pick. Number one draft pick, in my opinion. Hands down. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. That's all we've got for you guys. Stay here on The Dudes. Join us back again Thursday. We'll be rounding off at the 6 o'clock hour. Cody will be back with us. But for today, this is Tanner Marler and David Smith. See you guys later. The proceeding was a WMSV production.